Takeout is cool, but delivery gets pricey. So, like a phoenix from the ashes, indoor dining is back at Forge Eatery. I use the analogy because the food is fire. It's a new approach to farm the table. No overalls, just dope food. Try my favorites, like the mushroom stew with pine nuts and ricotta, the cornmeal fried happy oysters, and the seared duck breast. Also, ask about the chocolate chip cookie tins. Mini chocolate chip cookies with a dusting of sea salt. Simply delicious. Head on over to ForgedEatery.com to check out the current menu options and make a reservation today. Forged is located at 3520 Chestnut Avenue in Hamden. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and today I have the, I have a, I, I don't I don't know how to even to describe you because you're like you're you're the, you're the name on the building you're uh, a self-taught artist that's like killing it I've seen your work I have Justin Winkle from the Winkle Gallery in Fells Point on the podcast welcome to the podcast thank you for having me so so let's go back into that conversation we were having <laughs> so as I was getting to uh, you're 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 the you're the name on the building and. Uh, you're you're the person like I've passed it so many times and I am like kind of tight that weather didn't really cooperate with us today for actually me to come down there and check out the gallery but let's talk about the gallery let's talk about your work let's talk about your name being on the building yeah so if you if you've been kind of a follower of mine since May of 2015 when it all started you would remember that it wasn't always called Winkle Gallery uh it first started me and my partner decided to kind of do a concept store. So we sold clothing. Initially, we just sold women's clothing mm -hmm. and art. So it was kind of like a boutique art gallery. Uh, there was a little uncertainty with how the art would how it do. You know, being self-taught, I had only been at that point, I had only been painting for two years. Wow. So it was kind of just like this leap of faith. Can I sell the art or not? You know, and the clothes kind of supplemented the cost to see how the art would do and just kind of allowed to develop some steam. And within like a month, I sold my first painting and then I just continued to sell kind of consistently. And then time just went on. And after year one, uh, we brought in men's clothing for year two. And then that went on for like another year. And then about like year three, uh, decided to just focus on art, but we actually changed the name. The original name was called Blush and Gypsy. Okay. And Blush and Gypsy was the name of one of my paintings. Gotcha. And it was one of the reason why it was that painting is because it was like the first painting that I did that really felt like something. It really felt like, okay, you're on to something, you know, this is quality work. And it was so quick. It was only like, I think it was only like the, 10th painting I had ever created, oh, wow. but it was like the transition was just so quick. Cause I was like, I was so into it and I was painting every single day and I was just like painting back to back. So, it, I mean, it happened pretty quickly when I created this piece and there was like good ones before, but not so good ones. And then there was like not so good ones afterwards. I did that one, but like blush and gypsy was like the first painting that really stood out. It was like, okay, you may be really good at this, you know? And it just kept going. So the store was initially named after that just because of what that piece represented. You know, that piece kind of opened the doors to everything like, okay, maybe you are onto something. And then 
about a year later, we decided to change the name to Winkle Gallery. Well, it was like Winkle Boutique, um, just to keep it, you know, more streamlined. Because we started to hear that uh, Blush and Gypsy was um, could be like not the greatest term for some people sure and we just weren't really aware of that you know so it wasn't anything negative it was just gypsies have their own kind of feeling sure and there was the crazy there was actually gypsies that lived across the street from the gallery and she used to always come in (laughs) and like ask about like kind of like why we named the blushing gypsy Mm -hmm. and but we just wanted to streamline it um, because the art was always kind of the focus. Yeah. So we decided to just make it Winkle Gallery. And then the crazy thing is I had a client come in and she's European. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I never put two and two together. She's like, I always knew your last name was Winkle. She was like, but I didn't really put two and two together until I saw Winkle on the storefront. <laughs> she was like, do you know what Winkle means? I was like, no, what do you mean? She was like, well, in Dutch, it means store. <laughs> I was like, really? And she was like, yes, in Dutch, it means store. So it's like Winkleman's like a person that works at a store, like a corner store, it just means store. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's kind of crazy. Like that wasn't the intention. We didn't know that. So, and then since then, in these last five years, I've had people from the Netherlands and Dutch people come in because it says Winkle. I just had a guy come in like a week ago and said that. <laughs> And he was like, yeah, do you know what Winkle means? I was like, well, I do now. <laughs> yeah. I said, he was like, well, what made you call that? I said, well, it's, just, it's my last name. You know, that's that was the reason. Yeah. There wasn't any other reason but that. So the name change happened in year two. The clothes were removed in like year three, year four. And then since then, it's just been straight in art gallery. And the reason the clothes were removed is because it got to the point where the art was kind of surpassing the clothing mm-hmm. and it was starting to be, I don't think it was the right city for that idea, that concept, sure. uh, because it started being kind of confusing. Like people weren't sure what it was. Is it an art gallery? Is it a clothing store? And it was just, I think it was the confusion was making it difficult to kind of grow, you know, cause people walk by and it's, if they were interested in the art and they weren't sure the art was for sale, they would keep walking. Right. If they're interested in the art and they saw the clothes, they would keep walking because they just think it's a clothing store. And I just got that information from just sitting outside and hearing people like, Oh, it's just a clothing store. Yeah. Oh, it's just a gallery. And I'm like, no, it's both. Come on in. <laughs> you know? So it just made sense because the art was always the focus and the art was maintaining and gaining momentum. That just made sense to kind of remove the clothes and just focus on the art so that happened in like 2017 and since then it's just been an art gallery and you see the difference because now you get the person who's just interested in visiting an art gallery you know there's no more confusion i dig it it's so it's so the 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 key takeaways one can take well i can take i will take from this is from in the netherlands your seo is popping because it's store gallery is stored at the very beginning and uh secondly it's just that that momentum of like streamlining like and getting rid of any confusion that's there uh you know if the clothes weren't working in this place at that particular moment then let's focus on what the bread and butter is as it's developing and just that really cool art um 
I, I saw, it was, I think it was one project that you were working on and it was just, uh, I believe it was on Instagram and it was just blue. That's, that's all I could take. I was like, this is the bluest blue that I've ever seen. And I was like, I gotta get to the damn gallery. I was like, come on. And just the week didn't cooperate with me. Um, so you, you, you touched on a, a, a little bit um, on maybe how your, your style maybe has changed over time as in, you know, just the, like just kind of 10 paintings and kind of seeing them go like up and down and having that one that really stuck out. Um, and it's like, that's what you ultimately named your store after at the beginning and, and your gallery after in the beginning of the boutique in the beginning. Um, could speak on that. Like, how would you describe like your, your style artistically in the beginning to where it kind of has uh, progressed and where is that now? I think it's tough because I, since, since I'm self-taught sure. prior to painting, prior to the first day I painted, I knew nothing about art. Absolutely nothing. Not really art history. I didn't know really anything. And so it all started just like experimenting. But the one thing that's been true since day one is color. Yeah. Color has always been a big part of my art. And I think through time it's just developed and you just learn different techniques and once you kind of feel like get a feel for your signature technique and what you really like, then you just build on that. And that's kind of like what I did because it was like color first color from day one. It was always vibrant colors. And then it was like texture. And then it was combining the two things of really bold, vivid colors with this texture that was kind of like captivating and kind of like brings you in. And then you just develop and build on that kind of that beginning, that foundation uh, and that's, that's kind of how it's been. I think for me, I've never really limited myself, you know? So if I wanted to try something new, I just did it. You know, i never felt like I wanted to be contained in a box is this is what I'm known for. And I just got to repeat this process over and over and over again. Is that what I, mean? I never did that. I've never chased sales. I've always just painted, you know, it's, if one particular piece sold like rather quickly, I didn't just go and create that same one over again. I create what I, whatever I feel like creating in the moment. And I just never have limited myself to materials, techniques, styles. I just build on that. But the one thing I always try to keep consistent is the color and the texture. And I think even from my earliest works until now, you, you see a, you see color has been the integral part of my art. It's been there since day one, whether it was the full spectrum of colors, or very vibrant blues. I mean, that's usually the two, that's usually what it is. It's usually the full rainbow of colors on one painting, all blues or like a black and white. I mean, that's like the three stages I go through. And so it's one of those all the time. It, and the, the thing that, that stuck out there was just kind of uh, doing what you want and not being contained in the one specific area. And it, it just reminds me, I, I watch a lot of Kung Fu flicks and all of that stuff. It reminds me of that, that Bruce Lee saying, it's like, just be water, be, be like kind of limitless, be able to have no style. And, but also like know what, what you want to do in it. If color is your thing and that's something that definitely matters to you, then it, it, it comes through and it resonates and not being held and confined that, oh, well, this is my signature. So I have to have this in there in this way. And I can only do this size or I can only do this style. It's like, no, I do what I want. And that in itself is my style. Well, and I think it's so the moment I decided, and this is probably like 2014, 
I started painting in 2013. So like a year later is when it really clicked, like, okay, this is something I want to pursue. And when I kind of hit the switch on that, I said to myself, you know what? I have to learn more. I have to educate myself more about this field, more about the history of it, because I was trying all these techniques that people had already did. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing I knew from day one. I knew, I knew who the very successful artists are. And I know they all have a unique style that's unique to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you think of Picasso, you think of Cubism. When you think of Rothko, you think of his scale, his color fields. When you think of Pollock, you think of his action paintings. No one now can replicate those styles without ultimately thinking of their original artist. Mm-hmm. So I knew that from day one. I knew like style is important because it, it's what attaches you to a painting. That way someone can recognize your art, even if they don't see a signature. Mm-hmm. That's important within the art world. It's important to show this kind of uniqueness. So I knew that going on, like, okay, I need to create something that's unique to me because I, I don't personally like the way signatures look on the front of the painting. Mm-hmm. I like I like to be able to switch to orientation any four directions. I think it gives the painting a different perspective and I paint like that. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of work around the painting 360. So it gives this kind of unique feeling that you can hang it in any four of the orientations. Wow. And I feel like putting a signature on it kind of limited that. Cause like, once you see the signature, you can't like unsee it. Right. Yeah. You know, so I've always like some of my earliest works have signatures on the front and I just don't like the way it looks. And I know you can hide it, but I, I just didn't like that. So I just started signing them all in the back. Yeah. But I just wanted people to be able to recognize my work without seeing a signature, you know? So that was really important to me along with just trying new things. You know, that's one thing I liked about Picasso is he just tried everything. Yeah. You know, he tried all these different techniques and, you know, his, like his thing was never to limit himself. It didn't matter the medium, the style, the technique. He just, he was just an artist and he just created. And I think that's how it should be. I don't think you should just put yourself in this box because something is selling more than other, because then, then you start crossing a line of being more of like a commercial artist, mm-hmm. more of just strictly a business and less of being a true artist. Now, it's important to have both. It's important. It's important to allow your art to become a business, but I don't think, I don't think you should become the business itself. Like you have to maintain kind of that artist within. And I've always kind of just stayed that way. It's like, I just create what I want to create and I just try new things and either it works or it doesn't work, but I always just try to keep my style the same, you know? So it's either color or texture, regardless of what medium I'm using. I try to incorporate those things. So you can just see kind of the similarities between it. Because every medium is different, mm-hmm. it's you know, like my ink, my ink pieces on glass are very different than my canvas works, mm-hmm. but you can still see the similarities within the color, you know, the color and the vibrancy of it. You can still see, even though they look completely different as far as mediums, you still see the similarity of color. And that was always important to me is just to maintain who I am as an artist and what I enjoy while still experimenting and, and being that creative person that just tries new things. Artistic integrity. That's, that's what I'm hearing right there. Um, so let's see. Uh, so you, you've mentioned before that you are a self-taught artist artist. Uh, what, what do you say is one of like the, the major challenges of, of being an artist that's self-taught and, and being within the industry? <laughs> Maybe it's multiple ones. I don't know, but uh, just, just one that just comes to mind. It's, the best way, the best way I can kind of put it 
in kind of terms, like universal terms, sure. is someone who goes to Yale versus someone who doesn't. Okay. There's a different level of, even if it doesn't matter, like where you come from, it's just that status, you know, that I went to Yale and you went to a regular school. There's that condescending yeah. feeling to it. And I think if you went to art school, I don't think you get the, you don't get the condescending. Now, maybe within the art community of what art school you went to, mm -hmm. but overall in general, I don't think you, I don't get, I don't think you get that condescending answers from people mm -hmm. which you when you do as a self-taught artist see the thing with self-taught artists is you get one of two you get people who absolutely adore the fact that you're self-taught mm -hmm. they love that they love supporting self-taught artists like the like the visionary yeah yeah that's that's she loves it you know and i think there's some there's people who are like that that appreciate the self-taught artist because there is this sense of authenticity to them mm -hmm. you know because it's something that was born in you so if you're able to produce these works that people fall in love with without the classical training or the schooling to some people that's more impressive but to others without the accolades of a school attached to your name it's like okay it's the same thing as like if you're applying for a job all jobs now they require you to have a bachelor's yeah 20 years ago you didn't need a bachelor's you could have a ged or high school diploma and it was fine now it's like okay you're applying for a job and all you have is the high school diploma that's kind of that comparison is kind of how it is for self-taught artists and artists who went to school it's very very similar to that of being college graduate and not you know there's this kind of setting approach like oh well why didn't you go to school mm -hmm. And you could be very successful without a college degree, ultra successful, yeah. you know? And so, but that person still gets that kind of reputation of like, Oh, well, they didn't go to school. Self-taught artists, in my opinion, are the same way. Cause the first question I always get when people come in is, Oh, what did you go to Micah? <laughs> yeah. Cause that, that's the assumption that I went to art school. And so when, when I tell them like, no, I'm self-taught, you get one of the two reactions. Yeah. You get the one that's like, most of the time for me, it's, oh my God, that's incredible. Great, good, good job for you. You know, yeah. your work's amazing to be self-taught. And but that's also kind of a little condescending. Like it's, it's backhanded. You know, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. But I think majority of the people love the fact that a self-taught artist is able to do it. You know, so it's it's one of those things that's it's you can't please everybody. Not you know, there's there's going to always be someone that has something to say, regardless of what path you chose, you know? So to me, it's just a matter of what you make of it. It doesn't matter if you went to school, if you didn't, I have a college degree and it's in business. It's from UMBC. It's not like yeah. I'm not using that. I'm using it, but not using it directly for, I didn't go to school with intention to open an art gallery. Right. So <laughs> that, that wasn't the case. It's just my life went that way, you know, but I don't think it, you can do stuff with or without a degree. You can be a successful artist with or without art school. It's just a matter of who you are as an artist and who you are as a person and kind of how you create your work in a way that kind of captivates people and brings people together. And I think the one thing I take pride in, the thing I hear the most is when you walk in the gallery, you get the sense of joy. Like there's this like release. It's not, it's not uptight. It's, 
it's very happy. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing I get the most is people coming in like, wow, this is very, very colorful, very joyful. And they love that feeling, you know? And I think that's what I try to show with my art is like, it's not so much about what you see, but it's like, how does it make you feel? And if it makes you feel good, that's what, it, that's all that matters is things that you, you buy stuff, you purchase stuff, you support people, you have people in your life. Everything should be about making you feel good, making you feel better. And that's kind of how I create my art. That's how it started. It made me feel good. And I just try to share that with viewers. It's good. So aside from owning a gallery, I've read that you, and you, I've, I've read that you've written about art taught and you have many accomplishments. You got an impressive, like, I, I thought you were older than I read. I was like, hold on, how old is this, this dude? Um, what do you say is um, most special about special to you of the accomplishments that you've achieved over these these years? And also, what do you what do you want to accomplish within the next few? I mean, COVID aside, but what do you want to accomplish within the next few? Whew. I uh, think that's a tough one. <laughs> well, I think for me, um, just personally, following a passion that has taken me to this point to achieve any level of success that this has, has given me to me is the, the best accomplishment of, that I had to this point, you know, cause there was a moment in time where I wasn't really sure who I was as a person, where I wanted to go, who I wanted to be. And art gave me a sense of purpose. So having a gallery and kind of continuing on this long and having it become and continue to grow. I think just following that passion and seeing it through is probably the most, it's probably the accomplishment I cherish the most just because I was able to prove to myself, you know what, you do have value. You do have a purpose, you know, You've been given this gift now, see it through. So for me personally, that was just the overall experience of these five, six years mm-hmm. has been invaluable to me. I I think it really healed me as a person. And that's what art really did for me. It's just, it was healing inside and out. Um, going forward, I really, I really want to just help artists. I think, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know how big or the gallery will get, how big I'll get or whatever. I just, knowing how it started for me and how it's been going and how many artists walk through the door that have went to art school, that have no idea how to sell their work. To me, that's a big passion for me. Like I want to help artists understand kind of the business side of art because they're not given that in school. Yeah. Yes, schools. That's where you're messing up. <laughs> For all you school people out there listening, and and it's funny. No, it's not all the school people. It's the art schools. <laughs> no, but it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned that because I want to say way, way, way back in the first episode uh, of the podcast, and this is in season three, season four, in that timeline. Um, in season one, the first episode, I, I talked to um, DJ James Nasty, and he was just talking about like how creatives that they, they don't have their paperwork together um, a lot of ones that he would run into don't have their paperwork together don't have business expenses and things lined up because no one is really advocating and teaching that in for the most part so it's just like you're learning it from other people and it may not always be people looking out for your best interest so 
you know, he, uh, at the time he, he did this, um, session where he was just like, I'm going to do a talk and I'm inviting artists that are here locally and I want to help them out. And, you know, some of the stuff that I've learned and doing it for, well, I think at that point he was doing it for at least 15 years doing like his creative practice and, you know, being able to help people out. And you would, you'd, you'd be surprised how many even businesses don't even know how to do certain things within their business. It's like, I know how to make gumbo. I don't know any of the business stuff outside of filling out paperwork for uh, paychecks. I don't know anything about marketing. It's just like certain things that just get lost. So when someone's advocating in there within your, your field, your discipline, it makes it easier because you already speak the language. Well, I think it's, it's interesting because I, I do think the biggest blessing in life is be able to turn a passion to a business. I want to make a living doing a passion. To me, that's the ultimate blessing that anyone can achieve. To do something you love as a, as a career. Like, you can't beat that. But there's so many people that they can't get over that barrier of how do I, how do I take this passion and make it a career? How do you scale that passion, huh? How do, how do, I, how do I even start? You know, so just talking directly to artists, the thing I get the most is like, how did you do this? And I'm just like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, how did you get the money? Like, there's so many questions. And I'm just like, I use my own money. They're like, well, how did you get it? I saved. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like the, the really complex questions that they have to me are really, really simple answers because it's not something that I thought of, you know, I, I actually had, I mean, I had a client mm-hmm. ask me to my face, was I a trust fund baby? Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, kind of, I was kind of taken back. And I was like, but it was kind of laughable because that is the stereotype within the art community. Mm-hmm. Like if you're sending your child to art school, it's, per- it's because you come from money, yeah. you know? So you're not really worried about their future after art school. You can help them get shows. You can help them get clients. That's kind of like, the culture of the art community. Mm-hmm. And if you're kind of like self-taught or you really don't come from money, you're the artist that really struggles. Yeah. You really don't know how to proceed. You know, cause you don't have that connection just like any other, the art industry really isn't different than any other industry. That's what I've learned. It's just, it's a different product. The same thing about connections and knowing people that's the same across the board, but to have kind of the audacity to say that to my face was kind of, it was kind of humorous because I was like, no. I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I come from very middle-class family. My father worked for UPS. My father passed away when I was a teenager. My mother had to become the sole provider. And at that time, she was only working part-time. I don't come from money by any means. I wasn't left any money. I didn't have that fortune of being able to just tap into a trust fund and open a gallery and kind of just, <laughs> no, it was my own money. Yeah. I had, I was just fortunate. My mother taught me how to save at a young age and I was saving my money. Yeah. And, but the, the biggest thing is this is where the business part kicks in. I actually started my business. I opened the business, the LLC in 2013. Mm-hmm. I opened the gallery in 2015. Now between those two years, I had an office space that was kind of like just housing kind of the art. Well, for those two years, I had business expenses. I was still working at a job. Yeah. So 
I was getting refunds because I was taking a loss yeah. on the first year of business because I had developed these, these expenses, rent, materials, and other things. Yeah. So that helped give me kind of the seed money to start the gallery. Yeah. You know, but I also had great credit. You know, that was another thing my mother helped me with. At a young age, once my father passed away, she was like, we need to build your credit. So I had great credit. I maxed out credit cards. That's how I did it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't anything besides that. That was the way that um, filmmakers back in the day, they would talk about. It's like, yeah, I just maxed out credit to fund my own film. How, how this is the way you do it, you know? So people, people miss out on that. And I, I definitely followed a similar uh, a path as far as like having those business expenses, like, uh, had the LLC or what have you for, for this um, venture. And it's like content creation and consulting and all of that stuff. And it's like, all right, I'm taking these L's. I'm taking these losses. There are some gains, but there are more losses than gains and getting those, those nice refunds and can afford other things and having nice green screens and all of this stuff behind me. And, um, and being able to convert um, one of the rooms in my house to a studio versus being, having to go out. So when COVID hit, I wasn't shut down. I was still able to do my thing. And people ask me from this podcasting space, I've been doing it for 12 years. How did you get started? I was like, well, I wrote a book about it. You should pro probably buy it. And, you know, or I've done consulting on it and things like that for, for different universities, because it's a lot of the stuff going back to this notion of being self-taught or have you, I think it's self-taught in editing, engineering, all of these things. I know every component and always trying to learn something and what my field is, what my discipline is, and being a nerd about it. And it's like, are you trying to do it? Or are you just trying to get in as we were kind of talking about a little bit? Is this an intentional practice? Like early on? Is this an intentional practice of you getting into podcasting because it's hot and it's timely? Or is it something you want to do? That's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's actually really interesting, because that's the other thing I get the most is besides artists question like the process and the business side, mm -hmm. I always get artists that are unsure of what kind of artists they are. Are you an artist that wants to pursue this full time and really make it a career? Or are you an artist that does it as a hobby? Now, which path you choose, either is fine, mm -hmm. but you have to decide within yourself which one you're doing. Because if you're doing it as a hobby, don't put the pressure of selling it on you. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this there's this feeling that people, and I, I don't know why it happens with art, but if you create anything artsy, whether it's crafts or whether you're really trying to become an artist, people feel the need to post it. People feel the need to get validation. And if they don't get the validation that they're seeking, then they just, it's like a, a, a gut check. Like, oh, well, am I not good enough? Yeah. So it, I think it prevents them from continuing to create. So I think it's important first to do, determine what type of artist you are. If you're just doing it as a therapeutic hobby, that's perfectly fine. I think it's a great hobby. I think it's great for therapy, yeah. but don't put the pressure of feeling like you got to sell it on yourself because then that takes away from the, the benefits of it being therapeutic. Now, if you're going to pursue it full time, you got to commit to it. I mean, you got to kind of breathe this all day long and put all your time and energy into it. It's not, you can't kind of like, waver the fence and be unsure of what type of artist you are. You, you have to pick a side and whatever side you pick, you just got to stay true to that.
so we we might be kindred on that notion of being uh business majors <laughs> having those business degrees and being in a in a creative space you you deeper in it than than i am i i'm on the fringe outside creatives what have you uh because podcasting is not really regarded in that same way but I, i'll say like when you you see what you want to do it's just like you should do it and i'll be old man social media real quick i i think this notion of you hear from 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 people in business when you talk about podcasting or any creative space i think any creative discipline it's how can you make money from it? how can you monetize it it's immediately that instead of why are you doing it what's the reason you want to do this why are you the person that should do it and going to the social media piece of it you, you look for that instant gratification and we've been designed to put it out there. So if you're in something and it may be more therapeutic, it may be something that I, I need to have this catharsis from doing this uh, creative pursuit, but then you're putting it out there for other people to consume and critique and so on. That may not be the thing you should be doing at that point. They may not be for you, but we're designed for the last however many years, a better part of 20 years to get that gratification or to get that kind of voyeuristic, I need someone to say this was good instead of just being happy that you've done it, that you've created it, or I'm happy if I get two listeners, myself and myself. I'm, I'm happy with that instead of having to have thousands upon the thousands of listeners to it. I think doing this particular podcast, it's important to highlight the artists and entrepreneurs here, but at the end of the day, I do this because I enjoy doing it. And I think that's something that folks should really start looking at and doing an inventory as to why you're doing something. What's the, in, the, the intentionality of it? Why are you doing it? And I do think that's important. I think it's, we, we live in a time where it's, you got to have a side hustle. Yeah. And it's like, you don't have to, you know, it's, it's called side hustle for a reason. <laughs> So, like it's not something that you have to live every single day. It's you, you can just do something for fun. Yeah. Like you don't have to monetize everything you do. That's that's what and I think. That's what and I, I think that's a real that's a real problem. So in the in the last few moments, I got two more questions and then I'll give you a chance to shamelessly plug anything you want to plug. I like to do it in every podcast. Shameless, shameless plugging. Uh, so I, this is a new question I've started adding. Um, it's kind of a two parter. Are you a early riser or night owl? And does creativity hit you at odd times? I'm definitely a night owl. Um, and I will say, so yes, creativity, I feel like hits me at different times, but I don't create throughout the day. Okay. So I've kind of separated the two. I paint in the back of the gallery. My studio is in the back of the gallery. So when I'm there in downtime, I'm usually painting mm -hmm. on off days. I'm painting. I don't have anything at home. I don't have any materials at home. I don't paint at home. Uh, I, I started doing that early on, uh, just because I felt like the first year I was painting like all the time at home at the gallery, nonstop all day long. I was open seven days a week. Like I was never giving myself a break. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I just felt like, you know, it was important to separate kind of work and home. Totally. You know, I need, even though I don't like to call it work because I love doing it at this point in my life, it's a career. It's my job. It's what I do. It's how I spend my days. So I don't paint outside the gallery, but throughout the day, I do get ideas of something I may work on the next time I go, yeah. you know? So 
it's it's weird because I'm always like even looking up stuff or taking notes on my phone to get ideas or things, see if my ideas, how it can be done. So I'm always like researching or taking notes mm-hmm. while I'm home, but I don't create at home. Yeah, I felt like it was important to create that separation and kind of give myself a break. So yes, the, I creativity happens throughout the day. I'm always constantly thinking of projects or things that I'm currently working on. Um, but I don't create outside the gallery anymore. Got it. I, I think it's uh, one of those things that I drink a lot of coffee. So I'm kind of up all the time and I have like really weird hours. Like I'll wake up super early, like five thirty, six o'clock. And then I find myself like maybe going to sleep at around two sometimes. And I think throughout the day, um, especially if I'm in an environment that I feel like kind of inspires me creatively, I definitely have made it a habit to have some notepad on me because I'll have like some ridiculous idea. And I was like, all right, this will work in this podcast in this way. Or maybe I should reach out to this person. He did some really good street art or what have you. Let me take down their um, Instagram and hit them up. And because um, I remember I was coming from barbershop one time and it just hit me at an odd time of this was a few weeks back and how everyone was kind of waiting for their uh stimulus check and i was like huh i haven't seen a post office person all day and then a post office worker walked by and i was like i think it would be funny to have a street harassment video but of only post office um workers and it's like yeah i see you wearing that outfit i see you wearing that and just harassing them based on what they're wearing not any gender sexuality or anything along those lines just i need my checks and I thought that would be kind of a funny bit. And I was like, let me take a note on that. I got to work on that, but that could be kind of funny. Um, yeah, my phone is filled with like notes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I put everything in there, you know. And I get to the point where it's like, message, Rob, you should do this. Click, you know. <laughs> it's like me talking to myself all day. Um, now, here's, here's the last question that I have for you. And because I'll be remiss if I um, don't really hit on a Baltimore question, because this is a podcast for Baltimore, ultimately, um, and for artists, but for Baltimore as well. Um, so if you could finish this thought creatively, Baltimore needs more dot, dot, dot. It needs more recognition for its arts. I think Baltimore is a great art city that doesn't get the recognition that it should. I think there's a lot of talented artists that live here. I will say there's not a lot of opportunities though. Yeah. But I think it's an art, it's a city full of artists. And I think it needs to be highlighted more on a national scale. Like you don't really hear about Baltimore art. And part of it's because you're so close to New York, Philly, and DC. But I think it could just be like a four state kind of highway of art. It has that ability to do that, that you could just ride down 95 and you can just hit all these different cities that are filled with art and they're all different, you know? So that's the beauty. I think ultimately Baltimore is a great art city. And I just think it just needs more recognition for the quality of art, the quality of institutions, the quality of works that come out of the city and the artists that produce these works. I just think there needs to be more focus on it. Well, that's, that's a, that's a great answer. And I thank you. Um, so shamelessly plug, there you go here. I mean, thank you again for, for coming on, but plug, plug, plug away. Uh, tell somebody to do the 95 drive, hit the, hit your gallery, the whole thing. Give hey. us the plug. Give us a 95 drive, 83 drive, 695 drive. <laughs> come on down to Fells point. Um, the one thing I am excited about 
uh, in March, I'm actually doing a, a lecture series at my alma mater, UMBC, uh, on entrepreneurship. So it's a new program that they started that they invited me to be a guest speaker to talk about entrepreneurship, specifically in the arts and talking about, you know, just my experiences and sharing, you know, any insight that I have for artists that artists can use to propel their career just through, you know, my six years of having a gallery and what I've learned and any insight that I can share. So I'm really excited about that. It's going to be virtual. Um, so if you are following me, I'll definitely keep it posted with links so everyone can watch, but I am excited about that because I think it is needed. I think the knowledge should be passed along if you have it. And I'm willing to share any insight that I have to young artists trying to start their career. So that's one thing I'm really looking forward to. And that's March 10th. It's on a Wednesday at noon. Uh, it be probably virtual Zoom or WebEx, whatever one they use. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to do it. I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, that's that's great. What is your Instagram again, just for the fine folks? Where can you find you? All of that good stuff. Justin Winkle, J-U-S-T-I-N-W-I-N-K-E-L. And then the gallery has its own page at Winkle Gallery. And pretty every much everything's pretty much streamlined. Everything, my website, everything's Justin Winkle. Well, that's great. Um, I want to again thank you for coming on to the podcast. This has been a real treat and it's been insightful. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So for Justin Winkle of the Winkle Gallery, I am Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. Oh,